Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 147. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm a specialist in performance and mindset, working with entrepreneurs all over the world, supporting them to be the best and perform at the highest levels in life and business. And I achieve this through my coaching and online programs. If you're listening to this episode, the aim is to give you great tips, tools, and strategies for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared within these episodes. Remember, to be exceptional may require you to pause reflect and implement the new strategies and ways of thinking. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So we are back. Season five is about to begin. Sorry, we've been away a little bit longer than planned. Um, like probably you are experiencing, things are just a little bit weird and um, things were stumbled and got lost track, but we are back strong. And we've got some amazing guests for you this season. Our guest this week is Dr. Alan Leiker, and he is an acknowledged one of the leading cosmetic dermatologists in the world. A pioneer in cosmetic surgery, he helped develop several new technologies and he has spoken on podiums around the globe. In 2003, Dr. Leiker was diagnosed with ALS and given six months to live. After fighting the diagnosis, he is here today as a result of his courage and determination. Having been given a golden ticket, Dr. Leiker used his experience to co-author the book, The Secrets of Living a Fantastic Life, with Harriet Tinker and speaks to groups around the world about transforming lives. So welcome to the show, Dr. Leica. Hello, how are you today? I am doing very well, sir, very well. Now, before we dive into this fantastic interview, could you give us a little bit of a backstory that's brought you to this point, please? Okay, sure. You know, I was one of the leading cosmetic doctors in the world in about 2003. And what happened to me in 2003 was something that was rather unexpected. I had decided to take a holiday with my, my dear wife and my youngest daughter, and we were walking in Disneyland at that time, the happiest place on earth and my wife turned to me and she said what's wrong with you hun well for once in my life i hadn't said anything wrong i hadn't done anything wrong i hadn't even thunk anything wrong jeff but she persisted what's wrong i said dear i really don't know what you're talking about she said you know listen to your foot and i said listen to my foot she said i said yes listen to it so I did what I was told, and my right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a right foot drop. It was slapping on the pavement with each step I was taking. Now, your brain is, decide, is designed for that not to happen. It sends a signal to your foot every time it's supposed to lift. Well, my foot was not doing that. So my wife said, did you have a stroke? And I said, dear, you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. This is not how strokes present. Well, she was miffed by that. She said, well, when you get back, you better get it checked out. Now, when your wife tells you, you better get it checked out, you better get it checked out. So I was a good boy, and I did exactly like I was told. I had a lot of tests done. I had CAT scans. I had brain scans. I had PET scans. I had scan scans. And you know what they showed at the end of the day, Jeff? absolutely nothing. The doctors were befuddled. 
They thought I had a brain tumor or they thought I had a slip disc or something, but the tests showed nothing. So you know what doctors do when there's nothing on the tests? They do more tests and more tests and more tests. When they get a negative test, that's not an answer. It's got to be something they got to find. So they did over a billion dollars worth of tests. I'm sure I had tests that don't even exist to this day. They kept inventing things up. And finally, I ended up on the doorstep of a world-leading neurologist. You know, neurologists are the brain guys. They're supposed to have all the answers, okay? So I went in and he said, hi, Dr. Laika. I said, hi. He said, you better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, why? I've got a dropped right foot. He said, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And in six months, you're going to be dead. Get your affairs in order. Wow, that was a nice how do you do. I, I said, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? He said, of course, on autopsy. Okay. Great bedside manner from this doctor. So I said, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. Okay. And, but you know, when you go through this, Jeff, you, you go through a grief reaction. There was a brilliant doctor by the name of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that wrote a book on death and dying. So when you're dying, you go through these phases and you go through anger. You get really angry because you're not ready to die. You can bite the head off nails. You go through bargaining, bargaining. Oh God, please don't let this happen. I'll do anything if you don't let this happen. You go through denial, you know? Sure, there's nothing wrong. I can do anything. This is all, but you know, in your heart of hearts, there is something wrong and you've got to do something about it. But the worst thing is when you get depressed because then your body doesn't move. Then you can't get out of bed any day. You're just shut down. The whole world is bleak. The sky is black and there's no future. But you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross says these are phases. They're not phases. Your brain flits from them in a millisecond. You're angry, you're depressed, you're, you're denying, you're de all this is going on at once. Your brain is in a, in a storm. It can't process this information, so all this is coming out at once. But the last phase of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is acceptance. And I knew in my heart of hearts, being a doctor, that doctors make mistakes. Doctors are not always right. I hate to break your bubble, Jeff, there, but they're not always right. They do make mistakes occasionally. And I felt there was something wrong here. So I went to my wife and said, what do I have? She said, I haven't got the faintest idea, she said. But she said, you're smart. You can figure it out. Well, I said, thank you very much for the vote of confidence. I said, thank you very much for letting me figure it out. But, she, but you know, it was way back in 2003. We had just invented something back then about four or five years early, it was very primitive. It was called the internet. You ever hear of that beast, Jeff? Yeah, the interweb. The interweb, <laughs> you got it. Yeah. But back in 2003, you know, we didn't have what we have now. We did not have high-speed internet. We didn't have, you know, we had to phone 
up the 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 thing on the other end, and it basically would go for fifteen minutes, sometimes a half an hour, and you didn't even know if you connected. And when you connected, you did not have Doctor Google to help you out. You did not have search engines. You had to look at every website by its individual web address. So one two nine seven five. That's where you looked it up, and that's how you got onto it. But you know, I had friends that were nerds, and they were pretty smart, and they were able to get me on certain sites. And I found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, by the name of Doctor David Martz, that had a story similar to mine. But he got worse much more rapidly. He was on his deathbed, and doctors from around the world were coming to say goodbye to him because he was so well known. And the doctor from Texas showed up, and he looked at David and he said, "David, there's something wrong with your diagnosis. I don't think you have ALS. I don't think you have Lou Gehrig's disease." Now David was very weak at that time, and David said, "What do I have?" Well, the doctor from Texas said, "I think you've been bitten by a tick. I think you have chronic Lyme's disease, and I think it's mimicking ALS." He said, "This is the disease is a great mimicker. It looks like everything." So David said, "What do I do?" The doctor from Texas says, "You don't need to do anything. I'm going to put you on treatment, and if I'm right, you're going to get better." Well, like Lazarus, David rose from the dead. He literally got out of his bed and became, he was dancing and did everything within a week. So I knew I had to get in touch with David. And I knew he had some answers to my pictures that no one else did. He lived through what I did. So I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs. You know, doctors can get in touch with other doctors just by phoning hospitals. And operators let them through. And I got in touch with him. And he was at the Methodist Hospital. And he talked to me for hours, and he said, "Doctor Leica, can you come down and see me?" And I said, "When?" He said, "Right now." I said, "I can't, David." He said, "Why?" I said, "It's our Thanksgiving weekend. My wife's having fifty people over. She'll kill me." He said, "Aren't there any planes in Canada?" <laughs> he wasn't going to be put off by that excuse. So I went to my wife. I apologized, saying I wasn't going to be home, and she said, "You're leaving again." Because I used to travel a lot back then because of my business, and I said, "Yes, dear, I think there's an answer for my my problem in Colorado Springs." And then she said, "Then you must go. I'll take care of the fifty people. That's no big deal." So I got on a plane from Edmonton to Denver. It was a great flight, but then I got on a rinky-dink plane from Denver to Colorado Springs. Oh my God! It was a puddle jumper. But worse, at the end of the day, the air gets off the desert, and it creates something called eddies. Now, to you, what that means is this ride was like a wild mouse, like a roller coaster. It was like the drop of doom over and over and over again. So it was only 15 minutes, but it was the flight from hell. And when I got off that plane, I literally crawled off, and there was David to meet me. He was on the tarmac. This was 2003. We didn't have the high security we had now. You know, he was a well-known doctor in a little town. He could do anything he wanted. <laughs> They let him drive up there, and he met me. And then we went and talked. And David said some magic words. I think history is repeating itself. And you know, that's what 
the magic of this was. It was repeating himself. He started me on treatment, and I was able to maintain my status for over 30 years as one of the top doctors until I walked away last year to start doing some of the other things I knew I must do. Because, you know, when you go through this, your life changes, Jeff. You know you've been given a second chance. And part of that second chance is to help others find the life that you have. You know, I've had an amazing life. And along the way, I found some golden pearls that really can help everybody along the way. So in this part of my mission, in this part of my life, I'm in a life of servitude to help people find those golden pearls so that they can live too. And right now, in this 2020, everybody needs help. Everybody needs to emerge from their cocoon. Everybody needs to get better. And they need to find a better way to do it because this virus isn't letting up anytime soon. And as soon as you think it's gone, it comes back again. And it's a nasty, nasty, nasty thing. So, you know, I think the golden pearls will help everybody. Do you know what forms a golden pearl, Jeff? You know, a pearl, a golden pearl actually exists, but it only exists in the southern Philippine area, and the Indonesian area, and it's made by a special oyster. And that oyster, when it's traumatized by a little grain of sand inside its shell, it starts to produce this beautiful, gorgeous pearl. Now, that pearl is so exquisite, a single solitary pearl can cost upwards of $10,000, which is a heck of a lot of pounds, my friend. So that, that's a lot of, uh, of dollars. But, you know, the beautiful thing about these golden pearls, because of my trauma, because of my co-author's trauma, who was in a situation similar to mine but different, we found golden pearls, pearls that are inside of everybody. Everybody can live these golden pearls and really have a better life as a result of it. No, that's, that's you know, the, the amazing thing is I'm listening to some of it. And uh, although I didn't go through anywhere near what you went through, I was, I was bed bound and house bound for six years. Wow. Um, because, because I got uh, chronic fatigue after two cases of meningitis. Oh my goodness. So when you talk about the lessons that you have learned through that, I mean, it's literally singing the same song when you, you, you kind of like go through these traumatic experiences and, and my destiny wasn't being a coach or helping people work through chronic stress situations and stuff. Mine was printing and confectionery and, and that sort of stuff. But when you go through, you're, you're so right. When you go through this sort of stuff and the, I mean, I call it the my life lessons. Mm-hmm. It's the things that you learn from those experiences that need to be passed on with the aim of people don't have to go through it. Well, this is the thing, Jeff. Here you are over in England, and I'm here in Canada, and yet we're sharing commonalities. We're sharing experiences that are very, very common because these are true golden pearls. These are truly something that's been formed from our strife and trauma. And remember, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. It's truly what goes on with that. Now, you could have taken a, a defeatist attitude after those six years that you were at home and moribund, but you know, you didn't. You decided that you're going to have a life, that you're not going to be a victim, but you're going to be a victor. You took a turning point at that time and became somebody that you are. And here you're doing this wonderful podcast. 
No, I know. And the thing is, for me, is I wish I had noticed it earlier because my, if you want my my um, my deflection point was actually being in the car, commit ready to commit suicide. Yes. So for me, it was at that moment where it was like, hang on, there's got to be something more than this. There has to be. What is it that moves people from this point to that point? And I call it from. Uh, from inspiration to desperation ah. and it's you know what is it oh sorry from desperation to inspiration yes but what is it that moves people to that well, um you know like situation author who was was kidnapped stabbed and left for dead says it's from tragic to magic ah uh, there you go yeah absolutely tragic yeah. to magic yeah. I, like that. I, I like that too because truly that's what it's all about it's the magical parts that are inside of you that brings us along. And we wrote about 13 golden pearls. There were 20 golden pearls, actually, but people said, oh, wow, that's a little too much. We just can't dissolve it all. So we took our best golden pearls and put it in our first book. The rest will be in the second book. And they're there for everybody to know. And, you know, we start with love and we end with empowerment because this is really a golden necklace of pearls that really empower people to take a better day and find a better day is right. We even threw in a, 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 a chapter on fear, a bonus chapter, because so many people are going through fear right now. And, and fear is just grabbing everybody by the throat and make it hard for them. So what is fear? It's false expectations appearing real. It's, it's an eponym that isn't, makes no sense really. Because when you're afraid, it's about the 99% of things that are not going to happen. It's about the things that are really in your imagination, the, 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 the demons that I call them that come out that make it happen. So you gotta get over those demons. And you can get over that just by taking little baby steps. You don't have to take a, a huge step. And, you know, if you stand on the shoulders of giants, it's so much easier to get there than for you to do it yourself. And there's so many giants out there that have led the way in this. You know, one of the things you should do is read a good book because a book can really help you get to something like that. And I think, and I think is, is, I think this is the interesting thing is, is because, you know, especially as you're saying now, we're in, we're currently in COVID, and whenever post-COVID happens, it happens. Um, but there's that, the dealing with the, the, you know, trauma, as you say, can rise its head in many different ways. Whether it's loss of jobs, loss of incomes, life-threatening, whatever it is, is that. It's that moment where you start acknowledging and using it to move you forward. It's sometimes in a completely different direction and pivot to go somewhere to do it. And it's, you know, the magic from that. Well, you know, and it's quite often you have to go in a different direction. And, and sometimes it's a gift to go in those different directions. But, you know, it's our hardships in life that make us better and stronger. You know, it's the valleys that make the mountains so much stronger and so much wonderful as they are. You told me you went to see Banff. Well, if you didn't have those meadows be Besides Banff, those mountains wouldn't be as ominous as what they are. But you go from the Great Plains to those great mountains there. It's the ebbs, it's the valleys that make us really perceive those mountains to be such wonderful things. And you've got to realize that. And you know, diamonds are made 
because of pressure and because of forced heat on them. So you turn carbon into diamonds. Steel is tempered by heat. So, you know, steel is made stronger by that. And people are made stronger by their trials and tribulations. The trials and tribulations really make us what we are. And to get there, you have to really be vulnerable. You have to allow that vulnerability to happen. And you and I do not like being vulnerable. Jeff, you're a superman. I'm a superman. We don't want to be even thought that we're going to fall off our white horse at any given time because that makes us really vulnerable. But, you know, it's the vulnerability that allows everything to happen. You know, with if you wanted to run a foot race, you have to put all the things on the line in order to win that race. If you weren't willing to put it all on the line and risk being defeated, you will never win that race that you're in. And it's the same thing with everything else that you go through. And you have to really be vulnerable to get to that point. It's vulnerability that makes us beautiful. That's a quote from Brené Brown, the high priestess of, of vulnerability that has written so much on it and allowed us to understand the vulnerable state so much more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's, it's, you've got to remove, certainly through my experiences, you've got to remove that hard shell or that ego that says you shouldn't try these sort of strategies or this sort of technique because, you know, six-foot big-ass people from the northeast of England don't do that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until I started looking at, if you want the softer skills, um, and I realized that very quickly it's those skills that I needed to develop in order to move and in order to create that better, increase more resilience and adaptability and everything else and that flexibility to deal with life in a, a very, very different way. And I think part of the there's a huge problem, not just with men, but possibly men may be the worst culprits for having this shield on armor and caveman type attitude that just goes, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look at that. That's you know, I'm not dipping into that. And as you say, it's the vulnerability, the willingness to open up and go, okay, this is this is what the what the problem was or issue or whatever. Well, that's exactly what it is. You know, I think the male gene has this thing that we're not supposed to allow our vulnerability to happen because I mean, when we look at the history of mankind, we were the ones out there fighting the the dinosaurs. We were the ones that were going and, ca- and fighting the animals that were attacking our our herd, our loved ones. So we had to be the person strong all the time. And so to admit vulnerability and, and some bear is chasing you or some, some mean, evil uh, coyote or something, that if you were vulnerable in that situation, you might not survive. So, so we have... Over, we have basically tried to put this facade over us in all situations because we always think we're constantly under attack, which is the wrong way to do things. We really have to, to listen to that inner voice a little bit that is so well healed, so well concealed that we have to get there. No, that's that's brilliant. I could speak to you literally for days on this because the 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 lessons there's so much parallel between kind of like the journey that I went through and obviously what you've well, experienced. Well, I'm going with, to explore this journey stuff. a couple of times because, as I say, my co-host, my co-author, will come on as well because she has got 
case. She's like the yin and the yang. She's a beautiful black lady that used to be a New York model. And she, she, when all this happened, it was quite a change for her. But because of her recovery and so on, she had to, she decided to give back and she decided to be a person. And I met her because when I was a cosmetic doctor, I used to sponsor an event called Women of Distinction, where we honored people from the Edmonton area. And she applied for an award called the Turning Point Award. And as a result of it, she she won the award, of course, but then she took me for lunch. Now, this is a lesson, Jeff. Lunches always have a cost. And she said, we must write this book. And so for the next four years, we wrote our book and rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it. And we made a very elegant, beautiful book as a result of it. But as I say, you'll experience this from a different point of view as well. Because she brings to the, I call it beauty and the beast. Her being the beauty, of course, and me being the beast, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you, you you probably would have you probably would have had her to deal with if you had said it the other way around. Exactly, exactly. So, and it, it, it's you have, and this is another thing I want to bring to this, Jeff, is you got to be able to laugh at things. You got to be able to laugh, just like we did. If you don't laugh at things, I think we'll always be crying. And I think laughter in itself is an amazing gift. To me, it shows there's some a huge spirit that's taking care of us because it it allows us to laugh in a time where there's adversity facing us. And you know that scientists have actually uh, studied laughter. And, and there was a British scientist by the name of Richard Wiseman that found the world's funniest joke. Did you know that? Yes. Well, he, he studied all jokes and got people to rate them. And they came up with the world's funniest joke. Would you like to hear it? Come on and tell us. I've got, I've got a laugh. I've got a laugh now, though. That's the, that's the next chance. Yeah, well, you do now. There were two hunters. They were out in the woods. You know, they were going to get the big deer, but no, one fell down, and he looked like he was dead. His buddy didn't know what to do. He shook him and said, "Buddy, buddy, get up." His buddy didn't move, so he brings out his cell phone and he calls nine one one. He calls the operator. And says, "Operator, operator, what do I do? My buddy looks like he's dead." The opera says, calm down, sir. Really, this happens all the time. He said, the operator said, could you please make sure he's dead? So the phone dropped down. You could hear the loud click of a right. So at a big bang. And he says, comes back on. He says, yes, he's dead. What do I do now? Okay. <laughs> okay. I do like that one. I do, I do like that one. <laughs> But but you see, I think the reason that's the funniest joke is because we laugh at the things that are that are really bizarre. We laugh at things that are not supposed to happen. You know, we laugh at a person when they slip on a banana peel. Why? Because it's why is a person slipping on a banana peel? It looks bizarre. It's just and we're not doing it because we're laughing at them. We're really laughing with them. And and the funniest person we gotta laugh at is ourselves. And that really is something we have to learn to do. You know, oh boy, that was another stupid thing I did. Oh my God. You know, and you got to learn to realize that because if you don't, you will be crying all the time and you will never understand the full meaning of the golden pearls. You'll never understand it all. Now, our book is a little bit unique. It starts with a little story at the beginning. And the story is almost like a parable helps to take you into the deeper meaning of the story. 
Then there's a dialogue between Harriet and I where we discuss the things. It's like what we were doing when we were writing it. And I, you know, what we did was record some of it. And I said, Harriet, we have to put this in the book because it's so beautiful. Your comments, my comments, we kid each other. It's really a joking. And, and it comes out to really understand these pearls so much better. And then there's quotes from over 140 people uh, because these wonderful, brilliant celebrities and brilliant people said things about things that I would never even dream of. For example, Dolly Parton said, everybody in life has a purpose. Wow, Dolly said that, everybody has a purpose. Well, that's a beautiful thing. Everybody does have a purpose. You just have to find it. And, and can I give you an example of one of the stories that we have in our book? Sure. There was a carpenter by the name of Fred. He was 65 and he was tired. He had worked at the same job for all his life. He was a house builder, but he was tired. He couldn't do it anymore. So he went to his boss, threw the keys on the desk and said, boss, I'm done. I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. The boss, he was taken aback. This guy's worked for him for 35 years. He was his master carpenter. He said, Fred, Fred, can you just do one more thing for me before you leave? Fred said, okay, boss. You know, I love this job. I love you. Anything you ask. The boss said, okay, can you build me just one more house? Just one more. You're my master carpenter. Only you can do it. So Fred did it, but his heart was not into it. He dragged his butt to work every day. He worked barely two hours a day. He did awful craftsmanship. It was shoddy, shoddy, shoddy beyond belief. But miracle upon miracle, the house passed inspection. Wow. So he went back to the boss and said, okay, I'm done now. The boss said, just wait a minute. Everybody in the office gather around. He said, this is Fred's last day. I'm mortified. But you know, I'm very happy for Fred. He's going to have amazing life. And he said, Fred, I've got one gift for you as a parting gift. Here's the keys to the last house you ever built. Live in it and enjoy it with all the enthusiasm you showed me. Now, Jeff, do you understand the meaning of that story? You see, it, it, this, this thing called enthusiasm is not a Monday thing. It's not a Tuesday thing. It's not a Thursday thing. It's not a Friday thing. You have to do it every day. Because without it, life has no meaning. Life has no purpose. Without enthusiasm, you have nothing. So this is one of our golden pearls. And as I say, we have 13 of them all together as a necklace of empowerment for people so that they can really truly understand what this is all about. And I always like to do two things on this show. One is to give all of our guests 52 golden pearls, one golden pearl a week for 52 weeks. Now, I'm not sure how this is going to work across the pod, but the North American number is 1-819-717-2515. And I think you probably have to put 001 before the, the so I'll do it this way, 1-001-819-717. 717-2515 and text the word golden pearls, pearls with an S to there. And I'll give you one golden pearl a week for the next 52 weeks. So it can lift you up and have a better day as a result of it. 
And the second thing I want to do is I want to challenge your audience, Jeff. I, I want your audience to do something for somebody else today that they would not regularly do. I want them to pay it forward. I want them to go help their neighbor in a way that they wouldn't before. Yes, okay, you've been fighting with your neighbor for 20 years, but maybe today you could bring over a dozen cookies that you just made. Or maybe you could go over and peek over the fence and give them a smile. Or maybe uh, you could go and just do something for the food bank today. Because I know there's a lot of people in England that don't have any food to eat today because of COVID. And, and it's a terrible thing that people don't have enough to eat because they couldn't work today because they're unemployed. So I think everybody needs to do somebody for somebody else today to make this a better place. Now, you can be as ingenious as you want, but I want you just to do it. Something wonderful that you can do for somebody else. And Jeff, I'm even going to challenge you to do that. Okay. That's cool. Absolutely. I'll take that challenge. It's, it's, well, you remember a couple of years ago, there was this ALS challenge where people used to take a bucket of ice water and dump it on their head. Well, I'm giving you not the ALS challenge. I'm giving you the Leica challenge to make this a better place. And please do that. And I want you to make the world a better place. Have a fantastic life and make it fantastic for somebody else too. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Right, so we are going to go on to the second part of the show where I will ask you a set of questions. Um, so uh, the first question is, on average, how much time roughly do you dedicate to self-development? You know, that's a real good question. And, and I've been thinking about it a lot since I've worked walked away from my my regular job of being a cosmetic surgeon when I was working, oh, 24 hours a day and 36 on Sundays. It was something that I regularly do. But generally, right now, I spend between one to three hours on my business and my life. And what I'm working with is something called axiogenics, a science that links thinking to performance. One aspect is cognitive self-leadership, which links one's best way of thinking in all circumstances. In this regard, I'm taking a leadership course and learning some of the things that are my predispositions for doing things. You know, we all react in a certain way, Jeff. When something happens, it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction. Well, if you can get out of that knee-jerk reaction phase, you can function much better and much higher. And that's what the science does of axiogenics does. So it's a way of looking at yourself. And it starts with a simple questionnaire of which you rank two lists of eight items and how you feel that they're important. And from that, you can get some big, deep insights into your soul on how you react to things. I like that. I'm going to have a look at that. That's really cool. Um, okay, question number two. What books have made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? You know, I looked at that question and I thought about it a lot because I've read, I read profusely and I've read over thousands of books. You know, rich people have big libraries and, and poor people usually have big televisions. And I, I and, and maybe the rich people of this day and age have both and home, home 
theaters and everything else. But you know, a book is really a very special thing. And I think books are something that that really help people along. And I think Tony Robbins, The Giant Within, was one of my premier books. I love all the books by Brendan Burchard as well. And I, 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 you know, all these books and the books by Jack Canfield. Oh my God, what beautiful books he had. And don't forget the Chicken Soup for the Soul books either because they were brilliant and really did a lot there. You and I have something in common in Jack Canfield. So I think it's very important to mention some of the things written by him. He's just written a book called The Success Principle. And I'm in, and in the next month, a book is coming out called The Pillars of Success, which I've co-written with Jack Canfield as well. Oh, fantastic. That's cool. Definitely. I'll definitely look at that one. No, the success, the success princess balls was what drove me to go and work with him for a, for a year. So that was definitely, um, it was, it's an, it's an amazing book. So, um, and highly recommended. Um, okay. Number three, what app makes the biggest impact to your business or personal life? You know, I think apps are, you know, I, I guess people have to understand what apps are in order to understand how they impact things. All apps are, are a specific little bit of programming that get put together in a box to do one specific thing. So all it is is a tool to do things. So I think one of the most brilliant apps is the Kindle because you can carry 10,000 books with you all in one little place. And I think that's amazing that it was. But you know, the Google app for GPS is probably one of the most brilliant things on the planet because it really, I'll tell you, it saved my marriage many times because my wife is directionally disinclined and she's usually sitting in the driver's seat of the car and I'm usually the driver and she's tasked with figuring out how to get to someplace. And so when she says turn left, nine out of 10 times you should be turning right because uh, she just doesn't have that skill set to, to do that. You know, so since GPS has come out, all you do is ask the GP, set the GPS, and this voice across comes apart, turn here, turn here, three miles to this or three kilometers to this destination. Uh, you know, you're now at it. You know, I think the GPS is really a huge, huge advantage over many things that we've had. But, you know, when we look at all of these things, uh, the 5G systems that are coming out, Siri is a phenomenal thing where you can talk to the computer instead of going hardwired like I had to with dial-on connections at one time. You know, you can now get Siri to look up ALS and look for all the things that are like ALS but are not ALS, and Siri will give you a list. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, question number four is what's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? Well, you know, one of the things when I was a cosmetic dermatologist, I decided to make a Medi Spa. Now, this was very early on and I was one of the first, but the problem with it, it was too early. Society wasn't ready to accept it. So some of the greatest ideas you have are not ready ready for everybody else. So you have to sometimes bounce them off a group of people and make sure 
that those are something that will really fly. Now many spas are everybody everywhere. But when I started that, it was like 15 years ahead of time. And people weren't ready to accept them at that time. Another thing I invented was something called Well and Wise Online, where I was going to start uh, getting healthcare off the internet. Now, that was way back in 2003. Do you think anybody was ready for it at that time? No. And I'm not sure if they're ready for it yet completely, but it's getting there, you know? So my ideas were almost 20, 25 years ahead of where they should be. So sometimes the things you come with are great ideas, but they're always not ready for, for prime time, as I say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay, number five is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? You know, that's always a big thing because I think the biggest challenge we have is really, you know, life is to realize they're the same thing, okay? Life is work and work is life. We tend to partition those as different things. So what people always talk about time management, I don't think you can manage time at all. We're all given 24 hours in a day. That's all we have. But we do have something called priority management. And what your priorities become is what becomes important in your life. So whatever your priorities are, are something that you have to juggle them. And you have to then say, okay, today I'm going to be on a podcast with Jeff at this particular time frame. So that's going to take over this particular time frame. But on all the other hours in the day, you get to decide what's going to take up your priorities. So whether you go to the pub and have a brew or whether you watch the telly or whether you go and do something with your friends or whether you go and do something like I challenged you with. Those are all priority management. And in your whole schema is where you have to put those all down. And I think for the most part, I've been pretty successful in my life. I've been able to do things. I've lived a fantastic life. You know, I love to write. I love to get on. I love to explain things. And I'm a bit of a teacher that way as well. So I think all those things come at priorities. Based on what your skill set is, you have to decide what you'll do. Now, if I was told I'm going to, if I was told to go watch to be a hockey player and be one of the greatest hockey players on the planet, I'd be sordidly displaced by everybody else because I don't have that ability. You know, so you have to decide in all these priorities what you can do and what you can be good at, and you have to live that life. Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So um, the next question is, do you have a personal definition of success? You know, I think uh, Bon Jovi has one of the greatest definitions of success that I've ever seen. And that's getting knocked down nine times and getting up 10. You know, to me, that that's a brilliant, brilliant statement from Bon Jovi on that. And I think that's truly what success is because success usually comes just outside of your grasp, outside of your fingertips. And if you throw in the towel too early, you'll never be successful. So I think one of the key things about success is a tenacity. You have to have that skill inside of you to keep on going. And in my book, there's some great stories about tenacity and keeping on going. 
Uh, and there's things in that that you will learn how to keep on going when things are not looking so well. You know, when you look outside, it may be gray and, and, and gloomy, but there's a, usually a silver lining in that cloud. If you're given lemons, you can make lemonade. I, I'd sooner have the lemonade, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, and the final question is, is, do you have any daily routines or rituals that make a huge positive impact to your day? You know, I think my daily ritual is one that somebody should adopt, and that's to develop an attitude of gratitude. And every day in the morning, one of the first things, three things you should do is write down three things in a little journal or, or say them to Siri and she'll write them down for you. Or you can put them on a, on a pad or something and do something. But just three things you're grateful for because that will change the way you perceive the world. You know, I looked on my schedule and saw I'm going to be on with Jeff today. Well, I said, Jesus is going to be a great day because I get to communicate about some of my favorite topics. And I get to go and, and influence people in another part of the world across the great pond and, and be able to interact with them. And I can ask others to come and visit me on this side of the pond, too. So it's a great, great thing I can do. No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, so the final part is is um, the floor is yours for us to find out more about how we can get hold of the book and, and any other important um, links that are critical uh, for you. Sure, sure. Let me tell you a couple of things. First of all, one is you should send me your word golden pearls to that special number I gave you because I think that'll help. Uh, 1-819-717-2515. If you would like the book, I encourage you to buy it from a site called Fantastic Life Book. The reason why I suggest that is because we can get you the book, we can get you it in a special way, but at the same time, 20% of that book's price will go directly to help women shelters in your area, women that have been affected by domestic abuse. And so I know that the money's coming from England that way, and the money goes right back to England that way, so we can help people in your community. If it goes to Amazon.com or Amazon.ca, I still can make it, but I'll have to proportion it a randomness because they don't tell me who's buying it, okay? Uh, also, if you'd like to get in touch with me as a professional keynote speaker or as a coach, you can, or as more information about my book for that matter, go to Dr. Allen Lyka, D-R-A-L-L-E-N, Lyka, L-Y-C-K-A dot com. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N, L-Y-C-K-A dot com. Dr. Allen Lyka. You can get in touch with me or my co-author Harriet there. And there's a great media kit there for anybody in the media that would look like or like to look at it. And some really wonderful things there. I also have a phenomenal blog there that tells you a bunch of things. And I'd love you to subscribe to it because that blog will have a lot of information for you. That's brilliant. And I'll make sure all of that information goes on the show notes as well. Um, Alan, it's been an absolute joy having you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time um, to, to join me today. Well, Jeff, thank you very much. It was truly a pleasure. Thank you for letting me be on your show. I'm humbled and honored always to share my, my little bits of wisdom that I have and have gleaned from my existence. And I'm very happy to have had this opportunity. 
Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.